Welcome to the Deeply Rooted Homeschool. I'm Brittany. And I'm Cami. And today our friend Amy is with us. She is a great friend of ours. And not only is she passionate about homeschooling, but she is one of the most knowledgeable people we know on the topic. She also has a true gift for communicating. I met Amy at an information meeting for the homeschool co-op we're both a part of. And a fun fact, Amy cries often while talking about the topic of homeschool, among other things, because she is just so fueled with a God-given passion for it. Since then, Amy has become a great mentor and friend. And Amy, you and I met in the waiting room at a place where we both had weekly appointments. Amy had all of her kids sitting with her each week, and I was just so intrigued by how they were just doing school right there in the waiting room with her. At the end of the semester, I literally flagged her down in the parking lot and asked her to help me figure out how to homeschool better. I didn't even know her name, but she gave me her phone number and told me to reach out. I'm so glad I did because her friendship and her mentorship have been such a treasure to me over the past few years. So Amy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. This is actually part one of a two-part series because we just have so much to learn from you. Uh, First of all, will you tell us a little bit about your professional life and your background in education? So I am a public school kid. That's how I was educated. I was in school from the time I was in kindergarten through college, then master's degree, and then another degree with very little pauses in between. All public school, very traditional public schools. And I went to school and eventually became a teacher, a principal, a um, central office administrator, and spent a good portion of my early or all of my career has been there and then also in higher education as well. Okay. So the natural question that everyone has is how did you end up homeschooling? Well, let's just say before my children were born, I kind of thought homeschool people were a little bit crazy because I didn't know much about them, right? Because I've just been ingrained in the public education mindset. That's all that I knew. Um, And as a principal, one day a mom and her son come in and they're like, we think we want to transition part of our day into a public school setting. And I was talking to them and I was like, wow, I'm on, I mean, interviewed here to see if our school is a good fit. And talking to this kid was amazing. He was so articulate. He was so well-rounded and totally against the stereotype of these kids can't socialize. They're just these extreme introverts. And he integrated into the school. He was fantastic. He had friends immediately. He was in the band. He came for part of a day. And then after I had my own children, I took a break from work and met so many homeschool families. So so here's where the choking up may come in, right? So um, no intent to homeschool at all when I stopped working. And then God just placed all these homeschool people around me during my day. And I met their kids and I was like, oh my gosh, you don't fit the homeschool stereotype. You don't do this. There you are sitting doing algebra two while your mom is working out. You know, there's that kindergarten, the kindergartner that just speaks to older people, younger people, just so well rounded. And so that was the seed that God planted in my brain. And then my husband traveled a ton and I just said, why not? She's in kindergarten. Can you mess up kindergarten? You know, probably not. So that was the start of our homeschool journey. That's good. Mm -hmm. So 
you classically homeschool from a classical model of education. Um, and from a public school background, that seems way out in left field. So can you tell us how you learned about it? And then how did you end up deciding that that was what's best for your family? Yeah, the public school, which I'll call a modern form of education because it's really only come into existence. The way kids are schooled now has really only come into existence from, you can say, from either the late 30s or sometimes people will say those early 50s. So that kind of range. So really in the big scheme of things, we haven't been doing this for a very long period of time. Um, And so remember, I'm public schooled. And when my friend said, oh, you need to try this co-op that we do, um, I was like, "Mm, yeah, I don't think so. Like, really? We're just going to memorize? I'm just going to have my kid memorize these things as she's five and six and my younger one was four. I was like, I don't think so. And she, but I trusted her. And so I came on board with her and through her information meetings and then through other readings, I started to learn about how the classical model is so aligned with how God created us to learn. And what we were doing in public schools was really opposed to that natural style of learning. Okay, so how would you explain this classical model to somebody that has no idea what you're talking about? Well, typically, when I talk about this, I have this big tree on a poster board, right? And so it is a tree with roots and this big trunk. And then if you can envision kind of an apple tree, so this big, it's lush at the top, it's in full bloom, lots of flowery apples on there. So if you can envision that in your head, that helps set the stage for what the three levels of the classical model are, which are grammar, dialectic, and rhetoric. So the very bottom where those roots are, that's the grammar level. And that's the age of kids that they are just soaking up information. Pretty much whatever you say, they are just sucking it in. Repeat it a few times and they've got it. I always give the example of the ABCs, right? They say their ABCs, have no idea what they're saying, but it's a nice little song, and they say them. There's, there's absolutely nothing attached to that song. And then as kids develop, you know, they start to get into that age where parents, if, you're, if you think about this, if you have them, where they start to question, talk back, maybe um, contradict. So that's when they start moving into that dialectic stage where they're wanting to know more. So they've already got the roots because that tree is not going to grow if the roots are not firmly planted. So they've got those bits of information and they reach the dialectic stage and then they start piecing things together. So they have some, they know something about Christopher Columbus. Well, now they want to know more. So what? He was searching for the Indies and he ended up over here. So that's the time that we start giving more information with the map and historically what's going on during that time period. But they're building on that foundational level, which is the grammar stage. So you got the roots, you got the trunk, grammar, dialectic, and then the fruit of all of this is the rhetorical stage where actually the kids start being able to persuade people in their their way of thinking. They can debate, they can look at both sides of an issue because they have gra- they're grounded or have enough information on either side to be able to talk to you intelligently. They um, 
can make connections between different subjects. So we talked about before Columbus. Well, you got to look at geography in there too, right? And then you've got to look at historical, what part of history is correct and what's not. Can you decipher between fact and what's just been propagated over time? And then can you articulate that in writing, in speaking, in listening to other people's um, points and be able to pull those things together. So that's a broad, those are lots of subjects coming together um, at that rhetorical stage, which is the fruit. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit about what that looks like at your house um, compared to public school? How does that play out at your house? Okay. So I have a seven-year-old, an 11-year-old, and an almost 13-year-old. So my seven-year-old is definitely in the grammar stage. Remember those roots. Um, And not only that, she actually has a reading disability and likely a processing um, disorder. So she's seven, but probably the way she thinks is between a five and a half and six-year-old there. So keep that in mind. And then I have an 11-year-old and a 13-year-old who are in various stages of the dialectic stage. Remember, that's that trunk. So, for instance, if we talk about Columbus, my youngest would just have a simple sentence that she would work on memorizing throughout the week. So let's go back to Columbus. So uh, we'd say something about in 1492, Columbus made trips to the Caribbean on three ships, the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. And that's what she would work on. And maybe we would have some coloring sheets or maybe we would look at some other pictures or some short stories if she was inclined, like if she had questions about it. If she didn't and she's just memorizing it, we are just planting that seed in there. I'm just putting a peg in her memory so that later, if those ships come up, if the name Columbus comes up, some other time period comes up, she has a peg that she's going to attach a new piece of information to. It's all I'm worried about. We don't have to do anything else with her. My older two, well, they're naturally going to ask more questions. So we'll read some history about it. We'll find some different views of Columbus because there's a lot out there about, you know, his, um, the way he was as a person, what he actually discovered, all of those things. So we would go a little bit deeper into that bit of information. And that goes through all the subjects. Same thing in science. Same thing if we're just learning terms in English grammar. Now, some things that are exactly the same, um, if we're studying maps, they all do the same. They're all looking for it. They should all be able to locate it on a map, talk about it. Um, and so that's just how we kind of spread spread things out based on their interest level and what developmentally they're ready to do. Um, so what is your favorite thing about the classical model? Well, my favorite thing about the classical model, number one, well, I have two, I'm going to say I have two, actually, is now it really helps me knowing how children naturally develop and that they have to have a foundation and you can't skip, a, a child cannot be rhetorical in something without having the foundation knowledge, knowing the definitions, knowing basic connections between things, and then have had some time to grapple with that information before they can produce an eloquent piece of writing or be able to take a side on something. They just don't have, they just don't have the knowledge. Um, And so that's contradictory in a lot of ways to what modern school does. They want children at a very early age to be what's 
be, can be considered a rhetorical level and they just can't do it. You know, we hear critical thinking, analyze. Well, those kids can't do that because they don't typically have that foundational structure in place. The other thing that I love about the classical model is just what we just talked about. The various age groups, we can all be talking about the same subject, but on various levels. And my youngest will pick up on things, even though she may not be really involved in that conversation. She's still in the same room because we're a one room schoolhouse of all those ages. You know, they're not separated by age. And so she picks up on those things. And sometimes you'd be surprised what a seven year old will ask that's a question they will ask that spurs a conversation with those older kids. And it's really fun to be able to, you know, let the seven-year-old lead a conversation where really she doesn't have all that foundational knowledge, but she's just curious about something. Mm -hmm. That's fine. So, okay. So if somebody wants to homeschool, but that sounds so overwhelming to them because it's such a shift from, what they grew up with, how they, how they experienced school, what would you say to them? They still want to homeschool, but that, what you just described, seems a little overwhelming to be the leader, the mom, the teacher of. What would you say to them? Well, I would say, first of all, you need to pray about it because there are various forms of schooling. And, you know, really God led me to this place. It's not something I just randomly chose. And that's how we get through the hard times, the hard days, there may be a hard season. And then you're not, you're not going to fail your child. Uh, You will not fail your child. You love your child more than any kid, more than any teacher in a building ever could. And so if something's not working, you will find what it is. If, if that's, you know, where you're, where you're led. And then lastly, eventually, I didn't have a community of people to draw from when I started. Um, But now I draw on them and I need an idea. I need this. Then I go to them and maybe I don't take it exactly like they do, but it spurs something in me or causes me to go online and research and go, okay, what does this look like in other, you know, in other homes or with other families? That's good. That's really good. Okay, so you mentioned research and resources. Um, are there any resources that if somebody were asking you, you know, I'm looking for more information on the homeschool um, classical model, um, what would you, where would you send them? So first, before I actually even started classically educating, somebody had directed me to the well-trained mind. So I was already kind of dabbling in looking at that, mainly because it has a tremendous list of resources for every grade level. And that's what drew me to it. So, um, that one, number one, you can still get the old, you can get the older edition because the new edition just has technology pieces in there. Unless you just really want the technology pieces, (laughs) you can get it cheaper. The fourth, I think it's the fourth edition. Um, and then the core for grammar level students really teaches you what's important and what's not at those foundational levels. And the question for that dialectic stage, when they start asking questions, we should actually, as the adults, be asking them questions to have them dig in their brain and us not just spout it out to them. And then lastly, the Thomas Jefferson education. And so it is um, a classical approach. They use a little bit of different terms in there. Um, 
but it's still based on a classical model. And their web their website is really good too. And they have a great little newsletter that comes out from it. And all of those are really great suggestions, Amy. We will um, make sure we post a link in our show notes. So if you're interested in any of those, be sure to check them out down below. Okay, so... Amy, thank you so much for your wisdom and for sharing your experience with us. Thank you for having me. We cannot wait to dive deeper so everyone can learn some more from you on this topic. Um, and we all agree that there are lots of different flavors of homeschooling. The beauty of it is finding what is the best fit for your family. In part two of this series, we're going to talk with Amy some more about some of the different models of homeschool education. You're not going to want to miss it. And Amy, we would love it if you could just say a prayer over us to end this out. I'd be happy to. Lord, we just come to you today to thank you for the opportunity to share with people that we don't know, have never seen. I want to thank you for Cammie and Brittany, who have, you've laid this on their hearts to encourage people who are currently homeschooling and that may be looking into homeschooling. Um, please just keep giving them the stamina and the ideas to continue their podcast. We ask that you speak to those who are considering homeschooling and that they hear you if that's the path you are leading them to. We also um, ask that you continue to allow um, this podcast and people around to encourage people that are on the homeschool journey to continue to, to continue the hard work and to educate their children in a way that we know you um, lead them to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you were blessed and encouraged today. Check us out on social media at The Deeply Rooted Homeschool. We'll see you next time.